0: But I don't I really don't have any regrets. I really don't. I've I've lived exactly how I've wanted to. I've tried my hardest every single time. I didn't win the matches that maybe I should have always won or but I really gave it my all. So that for me is enough. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Body Serve. This is not the same opening that we always do, is it? <laughs> it, uh, it mostly
1: is. Hi, I'm James. I'm Jonathan. We are sitting down for the 282nd time. hmm Yeah. Welcome back.
0: It is now October 31st, All Hallows' Eve. Is that
1: what you say? Yeah. Happy Halloween. Uh, when you listen to this, it might be All Saints' Day.
0: Mm-hmm. I just wondered how many times we're going to get interrupted by the trick-or-treaters today.
1: <laughs> Maybe we'll leave it in as ambient sound. One day we'll give out candy.
0: No, I, I shan't. I simply shan't. <laughs> they don't do
1: that where you're from. Also, well, moving on. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I work with someone from New Zealand and he was like, uh, I'm new to Canada. Am I expected to have candy and wait at the door? And people are like, well, yeah, kind of.
0: I work with the public. I have a podcast. Everything else is about minimizing my exposure to the world and people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's how I protect my okay, peace. Okay. I
1: enjoy silence and quiet. <laughs> well, you know, Felix, on the other hand, has been on a grand tour of Europe. He has won three titles in a row, 13 straight wins, He's coming off two straight wins over the world number one, Carlos Alcaraz. One in Davis Cup and one this past week in Basel.
0: Now, I want to take credit for this streak because okay. if I recall, and I hope I'm recalling correctly, you asked me on this show after he would have had a good Davis Cup or beaten Carlos there or whatever, you asked me if this portends anything good for Felix and I emphatically mm. said No. <laughs> Oh, so, no, it was Cup.
1: I think it was Laver. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he beat Novak, who yeah. was kind of injured. Uh, but then Novak ran through the field easily at Astana, so I don't know. He's had a lot of good wins back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, Felix. He met Halger Huna in the final in Basel, who has been on a hot streak of his own.
0: A lot of guys have been tearing through this fall season. You see the same names over and over again. Denis Shapovalov playing well again mm-hmm. in Vienna.
1: But let's focus on Felix for a minute. He was not broken the entire week, faced very few break points, uh, had to fight in the second set of this final. Runa really took it to him. But Felix's, I mean, the confidence is like something we have not seen from him before because he's never strung together this many victories. Not a lot of players do, honestly. His defense is something that has been underrated, I think. Some of these, you know, these hot shots that you see repeated, him stretching on the forehand and hitting these kind of nifty passing shots down the line. Like, where does this come from?
0: Mm -hmm. On the last episode, I made a reference to baseball. Do you remember? Yes. And I think it's applicable here. When Kyle Wright said that all of a sudden things just clicked for him. Like, Mm -hmm. he wasn't doing that much differently. But then, all of a sudden, he's a 20-game winner as a starting pitcher. I feel like this is kind of what that is. Yes. The parts were always there for Felix. He just couldn't put them all together. And we've seen with Carlos earlier in the season that once this happens, once you get momentum, those little unfortunate breaks that went against you before start to go for you. Right. And you start looking like a wizard. And you start hitting these incredible winners, and leaving your opponent dumbstruck.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? I saw this debate on Twitter today, actually, about whether luck is exists in tennis, or to what extent luck exists. And it's not a sport that really benefits from luck, right? You're out there alone. You don't have a team to rely on. Uh, you can you can face a player who's injured or who gives you a walkover. That happens to everybody. But for the most part, I don't feel like luck benefits tennis players. The intangible here is confidence. It's mm-hmm. momentum. Like, you, you want to bottle that. I imagine as a player, you want to just keep, keep on playing, enter another tournament, because you don't want this feeling to disappear.
0: But isn't it kind of related? Isn't there a symbiotic relationship between all or amongst all of that?
1: Yes, it's like the virtuous circle. As, you know, as opposed to the vicious circle where you're losing, losing, losing. You feel worse. You play worse. <laughs> Felix has done so much winning
0: in the last three weeks that he's all but locked up a spot at the ATP Finals for the first time in his career. Not quite there yet. Final tournament of the season, the Paris Masters has already gotten underway. We just saw that Andy Murray lost to Gilles Simon in what
1: should have been the last match of his career. But on he goes. <laughs> his whole generation was in the stands. Songa, Simon, uh, well, Simon or, was sorry, playing. Songa and Mofis were watching him play his final match. But uh, unfortunately, it wasn't his final match. Will this man ever retire? I swear. I mean, it, this is it. Well, so he says. We'll get
0: through some of the permutations for qualification for Paris a little bit later on. Let us pivot to the villain of the ATP tour right now. <laughs> uh,
1: because this man is a menace. Oh, oh Runa? Yes, he's a menace. Maybe, maybe not the villain, but he's just messy. He's a child. He acts like a child. He's 19 years old. Right, but he acts like he's 12. Sure. <sighs> Like, I just rebuke
0: all that. You know, I know that tennis players probably develop emotionally and mentally at a later age than most people. Fine. Uh, Yeah. But I I just will not, will not accept this behavior. I just will not.
1: Right. But why would you stop this kind of behavior if it's celebrated widely? If it's called entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Look at Nick
0: So what had happened was... It's been quite a minute since we've dropped one of those on the podcast. It was deep in the second set. I believe it was five all. And with Runa serving, there are these backboards at the back of the the court, you know, by the ground level. Mm -hmm. And they have advertising. And in the middle of the point, it just goes away. It just vanishes. Yeah. And so that, Holger argues, distracted him. And therefore, the point should have been replayed. Moleani says he didn't see it, clearly, because he didn't call what should have been a replay of the point. Yeah. So, this man goes on an almighty tirade against Leani on the changeover, saying, quote, and there are going to be some expletives here. That's why we have the warning on the podcast, the the E for explicit. (laughs) Quote, What the fuck are you doing? You must be fucking kidding me. Fuck you. (laughs) Why are you laughing? This isn't funny. How can you not see this? Man, it's 40 all something. Five all in the second set. Final. You made the biggest mistake, man. And you don't even look at me. You're too proud to look at me. You're like a king. (laughs) And he goes on to say some other stuff. And then Mo, as he always does, you know, turns into this patronizing, moralizing, authoritative figure saying, listen, listen, chap, those are not the words that should be used in this moment. If you want to speak to me, speak to me with respect or some yes. variation and of And he that. was
1: right, of course. And the thing is, Holger's uh, point may have been correct, right? He, he can argue that he was distracted by that thing. I am annoyed when you go to McDonald's and the menu is constantly changing. The menu disappears so you can look at some picture of a fucking muffin. And when you go up to order, there's no menu for you to read from. So Objection. I, d- relevance, you relevance, your honor. These don't make any sense. I'm just saying. That was something That's I, a personal group. I needed to get out because it's infuriating. <laughs> the menu should be there. Anyway, uh, it's the same at concept. At this
0: point, do you not know what you're ordering at McDonald's? No, not at all. You order one of two things anyway, at McDonald's.
1: It's not important. It's either a Big Mac or... McDouble. McDouble, yes. Anyway, Halger may have had a point, but of course he went about it in the worst way possible. And he never backs down. <laughs> so after the match, he was replying to everybody and their grandma. And them dead granny. Everybody. He had time. He, had, he showed a picture of himself sitting in the back of his parents' minivan, I guess, with his little headphones on. And I'm like, dude... Log off, go back to watching the Backyardigans or whatever you're watching on your iPad, and, like, shut up.
0: Somebody said to him on Twitter, Hopefully you'll be more respectful to the umpires. One has to learn how to manage himself on court despite the anger and frustration. You're fun to watch, and I wish you lots of success in the future. To which, he replies, I am always respectful to the umpires who knows sick. Knows and follow the rules and the match.
1: We're, what we're not going to do is make fun of someone's English skills. I just want... We're not doing No, that. no,
0: no, 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 no. I was speaking verbatim what was written. Okay. And I did not want people to know that I was the one who did not know subject-verb agreement. Okay, well, obviously, you know how to speak English. Right, but I could have made a mistake. I just wanted to make it known okay. that I didn't
1: make the mistake. Okay. Felt like a passive-aggressive sick to me. Well, that's that's on you. That's on you. Anyway, this is very typical behavior from Holger. To me, it's not really worth getting angry about. It's just kind of funny to me because it almost feels like picking on a child. Like I'm chastising a nine-year-old.
0: Just because you're twice his age?
1: The kid was born in 2003. Mm -hmm. And you were born in 1970. Acts like he was born in... Yeah, right. Acts like he was born in 2013. This arrested development. Like, it's not cute. And there has... Formed sort of a semi-ironic standom of Holger on Tennis Twitter, which I know has become sincere, because that's how these things work. It's just weird. Fandoms are so weird. Like, this is this is going to be a problem for a while. Because he's really good. He was a finalist in Sofia. He won Stockholm title the week after. And the finalist in Basel. Like, he's had a really great fall season. Uh-huh.
0: And this is not a case of tennis needing more personalities. Right? No. <laughs> people conflate having a personality with necessarily being a dick. Right. And right. that is not the case. That's on you. You can That's also... on what you tolerate and what you look for. But there are lots of entertaining people out here who treat people respectfully. You could, like, be funny. Can That's you imagine, a personality. <laughs> can you imagine cussing a blue streak like that at 19 years old when you're still in the care of your parents? Well... Have when your mama's probably still
1: washing your underwear? As you know, his mother condones that kind of behavior.
0: Crazy to me. Yeah. I'd be so embarrassed.
1: Truly. What else? Carlos is having a, an up and down run at number one. To me, it's not a huge deal. Like, he's tired. He's played over 65 matches this year. Uh, since he became number one, he went four and three.
0: Well, maybe he's just not that big on indoor tennis. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. just not his bag. And this is indoor tennis season and he's tired. <laughs> yes. Like he's had a pretty
1: incredible outdoor year. Oh, and at this point, people just expect him to walk up and reach the final or win a tournament. It's how consistent he's been. That Those three losses include two losses to Felix. So that may be a matchup problem, mm-hmm. it may be just a, a momentum problem. The last few
0: seasons, this time of year, is Medvedev and Djokovic season. Yes. And now
1: we have Felix season. There <laughs> there isn't a whole lot of room for other folks. Right. Right now. Basil, of course, was Roger Federer's home tournament. He won it... Well, ten times. Ten times. Mm-hmm. And there was a celebration planned for his retirement this year. Or he was invited for them to have a celebration. Right. And he decided that he was not ready to do it. In Basel, that Laver Cup was just way too emotional, and he needed some time before doing it again.
0: Elsewhere in Vienna, Daniil Medvedev took out Denis Shapovalov in three sets 4 6 6 3 6
1: 2. Yeah, Daniil is kind of back. He had a, a pretty rough year after losing the Australian Open final. Not terrible, but you could see that there was something kind of missing. He's in his favorite stretch of the season. You wrote here that he. Of his 15 ATP titles, seven of them have come on indoor surfaces. He loves these conditions.
0: The majority of his titles have come after Wimbledon in his career, historically.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned before that we've seen a few of the same names in these fall tournaments. People just having great runs of form post-US Open. Denis Shapovalov is one of them. He has reunited with Mikhail Yuzny. He said that Misha is only an addition to his team. Not necessarily his full-time head coach, but part of the team. He
0: Alongside still- noted, wonderful human Peter Polanski.
1: Oh, I forgot about Peter Polanski's tweets.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah, look those up.
0: Dennis made the final in Korea, followed by a semi in Japan, quarters in Stockholm, and then now the finals in Vienna. Medvedev, if you recall... What tournament was it where he played Novak and retired after being cl- like two points from winning the match in two sets and then lost the tiebreak mm. and then was like, I got injured in the middle of the tiebreak and I'm I'm done. That was just a few oh, weeks ago. We
1: talked about that, but I really cannot remember. Was it Astana? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Okay.
0: So he's he's recovered from that pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. And I should say, like, he had the hernia operation earlier this year. It's not like he's had a bad year because of nothing, right? There's been, like, health issues.
0: It was Astana, and that was his last tournament that he played before this past Mm -hmm. week in Vienna. And so now he and all the other little men, they move on to Paris, where they will play the final Masters 1000 of the season. And with two spots up for grabs to qualify for the ATP Finals. With only four men still in with a shot for those last two spots.
1: Medvedev has already sewn up his spot at number five. Novak Djokovic gets in because of his Wimbledon win. And so... I mean, Novak could still get in on merit. If he He could if he wins Paris, right? Correct, yes. So we've got Felix, Rublev, Fritz, and Horkach vying for those final two spots. Felix is likely to get in but don't want to jinx anything. He's done quite a bit over the past 3 weeks to make his case. A few players have uh, made their opinions known about Djokovic getting an automatic entry into the World Tour Finals because of his Wimbledon win. Who are these people? Uh, Cam Norrie felt it was unfair. Taylor Fritz said, "Listen, yeah, of course Novak should be there, but why does no one else's Wimbledon points count if his do?" And it's because of this rule, right, that the ATP has for the World Tour Finals.
0: Well, the points don't come, but the fact that he e- won the tournament exactly. does.
1: They didn't count as points, but he got in automatically. But I think they make a fair point that, okay, I'm Cam Nori, I reached the semifinals of Wimbledon. None of that counts for me. Taylor Fritz reached the quarterfinals. None of that counts. Curios runner-up. Novak won, so he gets in. And so you have this weird limbo space where Wimbledon sits this year. Wimbledon bans Russian and Belarusian players. ATP revokes all the ranking points from Wimbledon, but Novak winning Wimbledon gives him entry into the World Tour Finals. Simon Briggs in the Telegraph called it Schrodinger's Tournament, referencing the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment. Is the cat alive or dead? Is it both? Does this Wimbledon tournament exist or not, or both?
0: It took you about five takes to get that out just know Schrodinger's now. cat thought experiment. And it was punctuated by you having a hissy fit I'm... and screaming, Why do I have a podcast
1: if I can't even speak? Talk. I said talk. And also, why are you gaslighting me? Screaming? Screaming? I did not raise my voice. Um, that feels very pointed. It is my truth.
0: It is yeah. what I recall, not more than three short minutes ago.
1: As I was saying, the WTA does not have a similar rule. So Elena Rybakina did not qualify for the WTA finals based on her title at mm-hmm. Wimbledon. You really can't win this year with Wimbledon.
0: And so tennis, as in life, is filled with things that are not fair. Yes. And so when people, when the fair police... Go around, and what about everything? <laughs> yes, we try in good faith to eliminate as much unfairness as possible, but at every turn, something in life and tennis is unfair. Inherently, almost. Yes. I had Rune in mind when I just went on that little tirade.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Yes. What, that you were acting like Holger?
0: No, that <laughs> he's screaming at Mo that it's unfair, and Uh-oh. thus he can tell him, fuck you, fuck this, fuck that. And that's all justifiable. But like, dude, this is a life lesson for you right
1: now. Yeah. I mean, the people complaining are being respectful. They're saying, yeah, we're glad Novak is there, but you should have taken our points too. And again, there is no winning with what happened at Wimbledon this year. The only recourse for the players in that situation was a boycott or some sort of collective action. That didn't happen. They went to the tournament knowing that points were not being awarded. And that's that. you know, I understand what they're saying, but like, you played knowing this—that these were the conditions—and meanwhile, the war is still going on. And that's kind of a much bigger deal. Kind of, just yeah. just by, just by a little. Back to the tennis, and Novak, I feel is there are a few surer things in tennis than Novak winning this tournament.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> I mean, Felix and Daniil are right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't think it's as foregone a conclusion. I mean, Daniil won it two years ago. He did. He lost in three sets to Novak last year. I don't think the gap between those two in particular is that big in these conditions.
1: Yeah, Novak. I mean, he kind of wiped the floor with the field in Kazakhstan. He hasn't played a lot. He's super fresh. I just don't. I don't really see anyone beating him. Well, we shall
0: see. He's thirty-five now. You know, you know he anything loves, can happen. He
1: loves to make a point.
0: He's beginning his redemption tour right now <laughs> mm-hmm. talking about how you know this past year it's been instructive because all these masks came off. Yeah. He, like the double He's, the wordplay there the
1: masks of came course. off so he could see who was really, you know, who was really an ally and who were the snakes. Yes. He's building a political career, right? You set up these these enemies
0: and then also the campaign to play in Australia. Right. Next so year. So this is starting. Almost as kind of an afterthought, Rafa Nadal arrives in Paris <laughs> to play this tournament, a tournament he's never won. And he gets there and then the day after, he flies back
1: to Mallorca for a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> no sooner had he arrived that he went back to Spain. Uh, he's back, I assume. I haven't seen pictures of him over the past few days. But one of his closest friends was getting married Went back. I, again, I'm surprised to see Rafa playing in Paris. I guess the ab is healed. I would hope the ab is healed. He's missed Paris many times throughout his career because of injury or exhaustion or whatever.
0: What can we expect from Rafa in Paris?
1: That's a good question. I mean, he may be feeling rested, you know, he may be fresh, but we know that at at his big age, it takes match play for him to start to feel confident. Practice doesn't really do it completely for him. And the last time he made a final in Paris was 2007. It's not his... I mean, maybe his worst Right, masters. but he's
0: made year in finals since then. He's yeah. gone deep yeah. at the year in tournament. It's not... truly nothing Nadal does anymore should surprise us. Right. If this year has taught us anything, at the very least. So while the men are boarding their trains and planes and automobiles to get to their final destination. The women are already there, and this final destination is in Fort Worth, Texas, at
1: the Dickies (laughs) Arena. Indeed. The men are touring the great cities of Renaissance Europe, and the women are in Fort Worth, Texas. No shade to anyone from Fort Worth, but uh, it is not the same.
0: Do I get to do another Texas...
1: (laughs) I think you you just did. You spent your Texas. If you
0: recall, last year, the tournament was held in Guadalajara. Prior to that, it was in Shenzhen. And then for about five years, I believe between 2014 and 2018-19, it was in Singapore.
1: Yes. Turkey before then. Way back, we had uh, somebody on the show. We had Frith on the show talking about her experience in Singapore. Mm-hmm. That was like way early in our audio experimentation.
0: <laughs> I went and looked at all the cities that hosted this tournament over the years. And I just uh, I just wish we could go back to the Madison Square Garden years. Yes. The 20
1: plus years of MSG hosting this tournament. That would be nice. But that is not where we are at the moment, unfortunately.
0: As we speak... Jessica Pagula and Maria Sakkari are playing to a mostly empty stadium in the first singles match of the tournament. It's three all, Pagula serving at 1540. How do you know it's mostly empty? I've seen
1: pictures. Oh, all right. As every WTA finals starts out, we saw the fashions the, the girls getting dressed up, wearing their finest, the women. The women. And uh, tennis Twitter is usually quite cruel. Mm-hmm. About what they're wearing and what they look like.
0: I've unfollowed and blocked and muted so many people over the years because of the mess that they've said. Yeah,
1: yeah. You think it's funny? You think it's cute? But it is misogynistic at its core.
0: Meanwhile, uh, you're sitting at home, unwashed, looking like an Oompa Loompa. St-
1: not an Oompa Loompa.
0: <laughs> like, come on.
1: It's they're having fun, right? Just let them have fun. And this year, not
0: the haters, but no, the women, no,
1: the players. And this year, they looked great. They were all on theme. They looked comfortable. This is the most important thing, right? They looked comfortable in what they were wearing. It reflected their personalities. And I thought it was joyful. Coco looked like she was going to the prom. Yes. Coco's the 80s are back, guys. Like, that is a very 80s look, what she had on.
0: Who, for me, understood the assignment was Jesse Pagula.
1: She wore... <laughs> you mean Tanya Tucker? <laughs> Trisha she wore
0: a long sleeve jacket suit with like tassel bling on the shoulders. It was giving very rodeo. It was oh, giving yeah. that she could own an NFL team or also <laughs> be working at the OK Corral.
1: The Calgary Stampede even. Yeah, she actually looked really cute. Dasha had big flowy, kind of like a jumpsuit with Wide leg pants, wearing sneakers. She seemed like... She was leaning
0: into lesbian, is what she was Dasha doing.
1: is just cool. She's effortlessly cool, right? We love lesbians. She's giving big lesbian energy. I love it. Her girlfriend was there. Mm-hmm. Sabalenka, she came in a form-fitting. L- listen, a, listen. A very skinny dress, and she was feeling herself.
0: If it's one thing... Sabalenka on social media has shoved down my throat in the last few months is that she is going to be giving sex. Yes. When she's off the court. Like, she is all about being raunchy.
1: Come on, not raunchy. That feels a little judgmental.
0: No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. I'm just saying...
1: It is is a bit uh, racy. Racy. Come, on now. Come those are, on now. Those are different. Raunchy, in, in my risky, view, risque. Risqué. That's, that's different oh, than raunchy. Oh my God. Raunchy is like tawdry. No. Like it's crossed the no. line.
0: The one thing that made her outfit not work spectacularly, because it was so close to being like, wow, bombshell, mm-hmm. were the tan lines. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's hard to help that though. I know, but you could pick a
1: different cut of <laughs> neckline. <laughs> I love it. Arena is just giving self-love. Yeah, I love her. her, On her supposedly private Instagram or whatever. Listen, this is the best shape you'll ever be in your life. You're feeling good. You're looking good. Why not flaunt it? She looked good. I saw a lot of people going off on Maria Sakari about how, oh
0: my god, what a boring plain dress. But like, she's giving you shoulders... Right, the most spectacular shoulders in all of tennis and then she's giving you the drop earrings the drop bling Mm -hmm. that was cute you know i am all about classic black attire if you can make it black and white even better goes for tennis kits goes for formal wear lounge wear underwear any kind of wear (laughs) black and white (laughs) works for me i thought she
1: looked And Maria is a very stunning looking woman. Like, she has a pretty distinctive look about her. So she's always going to look good. But overall, like, who cares? Mm -hmm. They were having fun. You could tell they were having fun. They were enjoying each other. Like, there wasn't any tension. I don't really care about what they're wearing. Who's wearing flats? Who's wearing high heels? These are professional athletes. Iga is wearing flats. I don't know why. Either because she likes them or... Because she doesn't want to fuck up her feet and high heels, or both. And why do you care? Or maybe she's not comfortable wearing them and doesn't want to fall in her ass. Exactly. Like, her feet pay her bills. Literally. One thing that I have to kind of call out is, I don't know, I felt like the WTA social media blitz was just not nearly good enough. They did a lot of Instagram stories, but the Twitter presence was just not really there And so you get a lot of fan-generated content. So you're, I mean, I guess you're getting fans to do your marketing job for free. And so like, that's been a problem, I think, with the WTA for a while, is just marketing their event, getting it out there. Another issue for me is SEO, which means search engine optimization. I don't know a lot about it, like how it works. But SEO marketing, when I Google Iga Sviantec Anjabur head-to-head, Where is the WTA? Why do I get 10 million spam sites where the head-to-heads are often wrong? Steve G. Tennis is always like the first one. Why? Where are you? And when I search WTA Finals in Google News, why do I get two pages of fake news pages? Like Tennis World USA. No shade. But like, Mm. no really. Because they're aggregating work that other people have already done. Where is the WTA? I I don't really know how SEO works. Like I don't know how you get yourself to the top of the results. So you're just talking out your ass. No, but you you're the the Federation of women's tennis of the biggest women's sport in the world. I don't know. You gotta figure it out. Like you I don't know if you have a chief marketing officer, but we need to we need to step it up.
0: Mm -hmm. I know you and I know you spend the majority of your time on Twitter and tiktok yes so your lack of acumen across other social media oh are you telling maybe me at play i here. need to be on parlor or <laughs> facebook i'm just saying i'm becoming increasingly aware of twitter being more and more a vacuum yes and so enough. the loudness of the complaints from that Twitter vacuum doesn't necessarily match what is being talked about. It's outsized, perhaps. Okay. But you are right. I just don't mm-hmm. know to what degree.
1: Fair enough, yes, because I'm mostly yes. on Twitter. Like That's where I get a lot of my tennis content. Mm-hmm. So I get it.
0: I do think that if the goal is for tennis to reach a younger audience or as young an audience as possible the WTA, ATP, tennis, period, they need to ramp up TikTok. Like, that's where right. it's at.
1: And when TikTok is no longer cool, you have to know what's next.
0: I mean, it says it all that because we are on TikTok just watching videos, not being content creators. Yeah. <laughs> but we watch videos and then a week later, somebody grabs that video and puts it on Twitter. Exactly. Like, Twitter is late. <laughs> Twitter is for old people right now. <laughs> it's just a, it's a matter of fact... Like, our best social media days are behind us. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. I feel a golden age coming on. (laughs) I mean, I don't have all the answers, but it's been a complaint for years now, years, that more needs to be done to promote the women's game. And it's a blanket. Blame the WTA. Blame Steve Simon. Blame whoever. And I feel like there's more specificity needed Mm. to distribute that blame yeah for it to be productive and i i'm not on the inside i don't know i don't know how it works so i just i just don't know i don't know james
1: that's a good point though you kind of moderated what i said and we've been there we you know we've sort of been rough on steve simon and the organization before you just identify these big gaps in in promotion and marketing where you could sort of garner a lot of excitement And I don't know. It's really frustrating because tennis as a whole, it's not just women's tennis. Tennis as a whole is not marketed very well, in my opinion. It's one of the most popular sports in the world. So why can't it make money?
0: Because largely speaking, women and women's sport is not valued.
1: Right, but this goes for men's tennis as well. It's not like they're rolling around in billions like Ebenezer or Scrooge. Sure, but they have a
0: lot more money to play with because people are willing to give them money
1: sure it's
0: there's a it's not just that the wt isn't able or willing to or haven't done the work to make more money is that where's the money coming from? Who are the people willing yeah. to yeah. invest the money it's it's not It's not that simple for me mm-hmm. which then leads to problems like the money you do take why are you taking it from there <laughs>
1: or why, are you, why paying, are you in Texas? Why are you paying out of your own pocket to put on a tournament in Fort Worth, Texas?
0: Why are you in Texas? Why are we maybe backtracking to go back and play in China next year? I mean, these are... Because boycotts cost a lot of money. And also you're hamstrung by who is actually willing to give you money. Yeah. It's not like there's a whole bunch of suitors out there. Right. But the the idea that this tournament is happening in Fort Worth after this big agreement was just signed for Hologic to become the title sponsor of the WTA Tour. It's kind of wild.
1: It's It's really disappointing to me. And it definitely like saps my interest in this event. Uh,
0: like I'm just not going to go hard on social media because of that. It's a fact.
1: Right. But I guess we're not boycotting because here we are talking about the event. Let's no, this is about personal enjoyment
0: here. Yeah, we're allowed to yeah. have personal feelings about things as well.
1: <laughs> yes. And a wait to wait until after the episode, I'll, I'll release an appendix about my personal views on the limited utility of boycotts. I mean, you wrote, I will not. You
0: wrote your master's thesis <laughs> through that lens. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> We're not going to be talking about commodity fetish on this show. Let's talk about the tennis. The groups were drawn... They are named after Tracy Austin and Nancy Ritchie. Everyone is obviously looking at which group Iga is drawn into, because she has commanding head-to-heads against most of these players. Well, let me read
0: it. I was the one who did the work. Sure. This is a question for the listeners, because you have the answer right in front of you, James. But there are obviously eight women at this tournament. Iga being one of them, I looked up the head-to-head against the other seven women. Those being... Coco Goff, Caroline Garcia, Dasha Kasatkina, Ons Jabur, Jesse Pagula, Maria Sakkari, and Aryna Sabalenka. You listening at home, how many of those players do you think have a winning head to head against Iga? I'm going to do a little of a pregnant pause. And now I'm back. Hopefully, you've thought about it. <laughs> There's only one player of those seven who has a winning record against Iga Świątek, And that is, were you surprised by this? I was. Maria Sakari. Yep. Iga has won both their matches this year, but Sakari won all three last year. And then there's another player who has an even record at 1-1, one and one, and that's Caroline Garcia. Everybody else has a minimum of three losses against Iga. Jabur is two and three. Coco o oh and four. Kasatkina one and four, and Sabalenka one and four.
1: Kasatkina's one win. I was interested. Came on grass at Eastbourne in twenty twenty one. Coco has her hands full. This is a big matchup issue with everyone, but especially with Coco.
0: And she is losing these matches increasingly easier uh, yeah. as it goes on. Right. The score lines are
1: becoming uglier. Yes. Uh, well, one of the things that strikes me is that these head-to-heads are all very small, right? The, the max that anyone has played each other is five matches, which underscores how young Iga is, how new she is to this kind of domination. Uh, do the players start to figure her out, or are we in for many years of this Sviantec domination?
0: Because best believe, unless there is some gross negligence on her part or her team's part, there is room for improvement.
1: (laughs) There is. That's the scary part. I heard a commentator a few weeks ago talk about, well, it's highly unlikely that Iga will be able to reproduce a year like this. And I was like, why? What is the evidence for that? Who's going to take it from her?
0: All the greats on the WTA tour won more than two slams in one season. Yes. Every last one of them, except for Venus. Every last one of them. Yeah. Winning three, sometimes even four, is not that crazy. Or winning four or five in a row, even if you don't win them in the same Oof. year. Yes. she Happened won a few she, times, not a lot. She won eight titles this year. Two slams. Look up the history of women's tennis. Like, are double-digit seasons galore. Yeah. So now, having talked about all of these head-to-heads... The question for you, James, is
1: does anybody beat Iga? Even in one match or beat her to win the tournament? Answer both. (laughs) Well, uh,
0: I think maybe... Well, we haven't said the, the groups yet. Sure. So Iga is playing in the Tracy Austin group alongside Coco Gauff, Garcia, and Kasatkina. So in that group, is there one of those
1: three who can beat her? Yeah, I think that Garcia would be the most likely of that group to to steal a match from Iga. In the other group, you know, if we get to the semifinals, the final, I feel like Jabor is there. Anz, as nice as she is, probably feels like she has a bit of a score to settle.
0: Yeah, I just don't know how well her game translates to indoor tennis mm. compared to the other surfaces. She's clearly good on all of them, but I would say... That, Not that you asked, but (laughs) (laughs) I think Sakari or Sabalenka have the best chance to beat her at this tournament.
1: Alongside Garcia in the group stage. Sabalenka is just so unpredictable, but if she's hitting inside the court, she could really play anybody off the court, including Iga. She had over 300 double falls this year. Indeed, And, and look, she's still here.
0: She still made the finals. And she has a sense of humor about it. When she was introduced at the reception to kick off the tournament, the gala with all the gown reveals and whatever, she, she poked fun at herself mm-hmm. for that and said, well, hey, my coach is floating around somewhere. You can ask him about it.
1: <laughs> so much of this episode is a preview of what's to come, the finals, the Paris Indoors. There are a few et cetera's we wanted to chat about before closing. We learn more about this United Cup, which is almost a replacement for Hopman Cup, pre-Australian Open. It's a co-ed event featuring singles and mixed doubles matches, takes place across the continent in Perth, Brisbane, and Sydney. So
0: this segment here, we're going to talk about what actually is the United Cup, because there's been some speculation about it. And we're going to talk about the ways it works and the ways maybe it doesn't. Or, you know, okay, what, what are our general thoughts about it? We were wondering, is the United Cup going to be like Hopman Cup? Turns out it's a very serious event. Is it? I think so. (laughs) Well, I mean, each tour is awarding 500 points to the winner. For one, there's a ton of money available. And it's being spread out across multiple cities in Australia. It's going to give players incentive to get to Australia early and really get the Aussie summer off and running when the last few years, because of COVID, it's been kind of just fly by the handle kind of situation to try and get to the Australian Open. There'll be a lot more structure to the tennis in Australia this yeah. year because this tournament is is not just having the men, which is what that stupid ATP Cup was, but having the women there as well. Both tours will hit the ground running, I think.
1: Okay, but this already existed for the men. Right, this is similar to ATP Cup. It's based on nationality. Right, the main difference is that the
0: women are involved now. <laughs> That's oh. what I'm saying.
1: Okay, so what is, what's actually going on is that there will be 18 teams with 500 points to be awarded to the men's and women's winner. Each team will have up to four men and up to four women, they each facing off in four singles matches, two men and two women, and a mixed doubles match.
0: So there's equity here. In terms of how the teams are comprised between both tours. Yes. And the difference between this and Hopman Cup is that Hopman Cup was, for all intents and purposes,
1: well, it was, a lark. It was an exhibition. It was yeah. fun, right? Yeah. Because there were all of these other tournaments in Australia, if you wanted, like, real practice. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the top players, all they did was Hopman Cup and didn't really play a lot of lead-ups. Yes.
0: So yeah. I'm saying... That given that both tours are involved in this event in a serious way, for serious money and serious points, this is a window into something that we haven't seen before, really, mm. in tennis. Oh, okay. it's, a, it's a unique sport in that this has always been something people have wondered about, like, why doesn't tennis do this? It seems like a no-brainer
1: to yes. leverage the inter- what both tours can do together. Mm-hmm. What I don't love about it is that it's based on country. Yes. So the mm-hmm. f- how it works is that the first 12 countries competing are decided by the top six men and the top six women. What happens with ATP Cup and these nation-based cups is that you get like Tsitsipas playing with the 1,000th ranked player in the world. And so there's this m- measure of unfairness. Right? Some of the top players don't even get to play if they're basically their country is not selected. Right,
0: but the criteria for selection here is a little bit more rigid Okay. than ATP Cup.
1: Right, but you still have countries who have one top player and then nobody. There, wh- Why is the competition nation-based? See, I'm always a critic of nationality and nationalism in sporting competitions. Who cares? I guess some
0: people care. I don't. I have always felt the same. You know how I feel about that. If it were up to me, I would do just like we suggested for Leibokop moving forward, whereby number one Sviantec, number one Akharaz, just start picking people. Alternate and start picking people. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like in gym class? Yes. Oh, that's horrible. (laughs) Yes. It's like (laughs) the NBA All-Star game. What? Is that how it works? Yeah. For real? Yes. But you have like a number of people who are selected for the All-Stars, and then the captain just, like, picks people? Is that how it works?
0: As per Wikipedia, as of October 3rd, 2017, instead of being divided by conference, the top vote leaders for each conference, voted on by the public, they are the team captains, and they hold a draft to choose among the rest of the starters and reserves, regardless of conference.
1: Oh, I see. Interesting. So, yeah, so like, why not do it like it's that? like
0: Team LeBron versus Team...
1: Steph. <laughs> Why not just have the best, is what I'm saying. Overall, you seem bullish on United Cup. You seem into it. On Hotman Cup? United Cup. It's not Hotman Cup. I thought you said Hotman no. Cup.
0: I was. I got a message on my phone and I oh, wasn't paying full I attention. See. Apologies to you and the listeners. <laughs> this is your job right now? I always enjoyed Hotman Cup. I'm saying I am curious to see how this plays out. I'm granting grace. To this event, because okay. I think that a lot of thought went into it and it could be good. So All I'm right. going to tune in. Let's leave it there then. I won't rain on your parade. Okay, Miss Beanie Felstein. What's <laughs> <No>. her name? <laughs> Leah Michelle?
1: Leah Michelle. <laughs> Poor Beanie. Uh, Iga okay, Nepo Baby. <laughs> I know. Beanie, she is funny. She's a talented actress, but uh, I'm so sorry she couldn't sing the role. And that's how the cookie crumbles. Iga Swiątek was asked about the starfish hand-waving controversy at the net. She has seen your tweets. She gets it. And she made a a full statement.
0: This was in an interview with sport.pl, a Polish uh, media outfit. And she said, quote, I can't control it, but I hope it will never happen again. We are working on it. It is a stress reaction to what is happening. It is an involuntary reaction. I did it during the U.S. Open, and as I recall, it was a stressful moment. In San Diego, I did it unconsciously. Right after the game, I approached Donna and apologized. She had no hard feelings. It turned out she didn't recall this at all. I hope fans will understand me as well. I'm aware of the many negative comments on the internet concerning this incident, (laughs) I'm not proud of the fact that sometimes I'm not in control of what I can do on the court.
1: Okay. Um, is this enough for you, James? For me, it doesn't need to be enough for me. I'm not the injured party. And maybe there is no injured party.
0: Bullshit. <laughs> like, we've talked about this so much on the show. We've had a lot to say. So right. now she's
1: addressed it. What do you think about well, it? Well, I think probably we've spoken way too much about it for what it is. Also know you feel cute. No, I'm. well, maybe. At this point, it's so over. People are still talking about it. She's a great player, regardless of the hand-waving thing. She has seen your comments. It probably injured her a little bit, probably hurt her feelings a little, and she apologized. That's it. Case dismissed. Can we move on to prosecuting Belinda Bencic for her many crimes, <laughs> is what I'm saying. What if it happens again? Oh, if it happens again, I mean, she's a four-year ban, period. I mean, if it, happens You're being again, facetious. if it happens again, I am going to laugh my ass off because the internet is going to explode.
0: The coaching situation never stops. <laughs> I cannot believe that we have, what, three more coaching situations to talk about on this episode. Mm-hmm. We, we just recorded last week and talked about maybe 15 of them.
1: Uh, firstly, Bianca Andreescu and Sven Grunefeld split. I kind of forgot that they were working together, to be honest. So, I mean, well, oh well. That man A occupies life goes on.
0: no space in my mind. So.
1: <laughs> and Bianca hasn't really been you know, top of mind this season, so I just kind of forgot that they were working together. And Caroline Garcia. Uh, drama sometimes follows the Garcia family. Papa. <laughs> yes. Her coach Bertrand Perret announced that uh, they were splitting up that he was no longer having fun i mean the way the way that the french phrase things it's just inimitable it
0: was giving i am no longer dealing with that tyrant of a
1: father mm-hmm. but if it was you read also, between the lines it was also like i've read a lot of books And I can create poetry with my words. Mm.
0: I mean, he also said,
1: you know, I like Caro. I still
0: like Caro. I wish her well. I'm just not about dealing with this bullshit anymore. Like, this is a man who helped Garcia from the tennis wilderness, from singles wilderness, for the last three years. Mm -hmm. She had risen to top five in the world. And then it just all went south. And now she's back mid-year, coming out of nowhere to make the WTA finals. And she credited him for helping to change her mindset, to have her be way more attacking and aggressive in her style of play. And on the eve of the WTA finals, the crowning moment maybe of her year, her comeback year, this happens.
1: (laughs) Paré said, I am not a man of false pretense, and when it's over, it's over. There have been problems. They ended up spoiling the atmosphere, and I preferred to stop. I do this job for fun, and there wasn't as much anymore. And he went on to say he prefers to cut rather than tear. Mm. They just rip the band-aid right off. You don't get this kind of straightforwardness from everybody.
0: And the final bit of coaching news, Magnus Norman is rejoining the Stan Wawrinka camp for 2023.
1: Stanley is 36 years old?
0: 37. Oh, you
1: keep saying that. 37 years old, experiencing a mini-Renaissance during this fall season. A small one. Quarters
0: in Basel and then semis in Moselle, where he had to retire mid-match in the first set. Mm -hmm.
1: But it does feel like they are perhaps gearing up for one last try, one last run.
0: Before they leave it all behind.
1: Is that a song too? Yes. Is it like Michael Bolton or something?
0: No. (laughs) No. I mean, they clearly fit well together. When they split, it didn't feel like an acrimonious situation. And I don't, like you say, it, it just feels like one last push. Yeah, And that Magnus is here to help him
1: give it his best shot. We're almost in November already. The season is coming to a close. Our season is winding down as well. This is episode number 34 of the season. So we're on a pretty good track based on our usual pace. Uh, For the rest of the season, you can expect a wrap of the WTA Finals, of course a preview, and then a wrap of the ATP World Tour Finals. We have been talking about this Serena episode for a while, and while I can't say that it is being worked on actively, it's (laughs) (laughs) it's more in the conception, the ideation phase. It's just so big, right? Like, it's Serena's evolution or retirement, whatever it is, it's just still too big for me to contemplate. But I do want to give her her due, and we will do that before the season is over. Okay. I know, I've just assigned myself a lot of work.
0: I hope you get to work on it, because...
1: You know what? God bless public libraries, because through the Toronto Public Library, we have access to all of these uh, newspapers, academic, uh, what do they call them? portal databases mm-hmm. jstor it's super exciting yes we're mm-hmm. also
0: heading into thanksgiving if i can get my passport renewed in time i'll be <laughs> uh,
1: yes. i'll be having
0: an american thanksgiving this year we uh
1: we already had canadian thanksgiving in october we'll have american thanksgiving as well in upstate new york god willing
0: uh, and what that means for the podcast is that typically now i, can, I guess we can say typically we launch or gofundme around thanksgiving
1: We've done two GoFundMes before, and we were incredibly humbled and grateful by what people chose to give. We are going to launch another one this fall, and again, the messaging is, if you like what you hear and you want to give us a tip, buy us a drink, like that's what it is, right? It's not, we're going to give you an invoice of all the things we did with your money, it's, we do this as a part-time job and if you like what you hear you're welcome to give and if you can't or you don't want to that's also okay
0: it took well i can speak for myself it took me a long time to actually feel comfortable in considering this a job yes rather than just a passion project but dear listeners i can assure you it feels like a job it is a job (laughs) (laughs) and so uh in the Tennis media landscape where it's incredibly difficult to monetize this kind of work, and for the things that we want to do, like I was able to do this year and go to the U.S. Open, costs a lot of money. Like I was blown away by how much money
1: that cost. Right, and that was like on a budget. <laughs> that was one that of was, us. That was Long Island City where that I stayed. Budget. <laughs> Who <Whew. laughs> Let me tell you, we are gonna be thrifty. No matter how much we get. Um, but yeah, you know, Fred Van Vliet, my hero, oh the Toronto Raptor, he says, bet on yourself. And so that's what you got to do. That's what we're doing.
0: Yeah. And it's in no small part due to a lot of the conversations that I was able to have with folks in person
1: mm-hmm.
0: at the U.S. Open that I feel more confident about what we do. You know, because we sit here and we just
1: talk to each other. <laughs> We do. And, and that's it. Vince just sits there and grumbles the whole time. <laughs> while I, so while I was on work calls today, only when I was in a meeting, Vince would hack. You know how dogs do that? Kind of like the reverse sneeze? <laughs> yes. Incessantly. But mm. only when I was on a meeting. That's totally off topic. That's a bit. very
0: bad co-worker. <laughs> uh, but my point is that uh, there was a lot of reaff- reassuring that was thrown our way Mm -hmm. that we greatly appreciate that that gives us
1: impetus to keep going i knew you were going to use that word you You did yes can't resist a latin word oh my god (laughs) anyway so look out for look out for that that's just a preview thank you for listening we guys we are so close to the end of the season i know you're tired but we can do it where we can get a full two and a half weeks off (laughs) Right. The United Cup starts on uh, New Year's Eve. By the way, okay. it starts in the current year. I like to release the first episode
0: of a new season toward the end of the first week. Yes, of the year. Yes, so well, that that gives us an extra week.
1: Listen, there's not going to be a New Year's Eve drop ever on this podcast. Listen,
0: listen, you don't know what fresh mess can come. Fair. It's Fine. been very, it, it's been relatively calm, this last little spell. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, I know what that means. My name is Jonathan. You can find me on Twitter at Tennis underscore John. I'm James. I'm at Elliot JMR on Twitter. Two L's, two T's. This is The Body Serve. You can find us everywhere on in the internet at linktree.com slash the body serve. Thank you for
1: listening. Till next time. Thank you. Like you. Thank you very much.